We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Happy Halloween from the Rob Black Show and Count Rob Blackula. Well, 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 that's a lot to live up to. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Do these markets scare you? I'm not going to play the whole Halloween theme all day long, trust me. It's not my shtick. You wouldn't want it, and I wouldn't want it either. I think that's fair to say. Bumpy, bumpy start to the week as major indices took a slide yesterday. Following reports that the House GOP might pursue a five-year phase in of a cut in the corporate tax rate of 20% as part of its tax reform plan. Ooh, it's that old five-year plan, huh? Which basically means just in case we don't get reelected, it happens on the next watch, not necessarily ours. There's a lot of misgivings about that approach. Uh, you saw the Russell 2000 slip and slide. Remember slip and slides? How great were they? Um... You know, the Russell 2000 as an index, there's SP500, it's a big cap index. So as companies like Apple and, well, formerly GE and Microsoft, and as the big boys of our economy uh, do well, so does the S&P 500. The Russell 2000, it houses as an index teeny tiny small companies uh, that are domestically oriented that would benefit, um, that would not benefit as much from a phase-in approach. So... Um, so the Republicans are just having, dang it, a tough time getting anything done. So instead of giving us a big, fat Christmas gift of a tax package, they're like, well, you could open a little bit of it this year, a little bit of it next year. And you're like, oh, ma'am. A phase and approach is just one idea right now. And again, a lot of what's happening are what are called trial blowns. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it will happen. It just means that it's a trial blown. Um, and we'll see what the House of Representatives' vision is, and we'll see what the Senate's vision is, and how the two of them kind of, in the world of vision, are cross-eyed. My first radio show, when I was doing an investing show 20 years ago, was called 2020 Insight. And when you went and got the website, 2020insight.com, you would have thought that every optometrist would have bought in that website at that point in time. Nope, it was wide open. But then I thought, okay, I'm doing a radio show that has the title of an optometrist radio show. Maybe I was wrong for doing that. 2020 Insight. I was trying to give you insight into the markets. So the Bank of Japan today left its key interest rate unchanged. Again, banks around the world are, are making it easy for stocks to win by keeping the cost of money low. Unfortunately, bank of banks around the world are also keeping interest rates low, which has the effect of creating housing inflation. I read an article, a research report, that basically, it it had a great question, or it had a great statement that kind of becomes a question. Where are the poor going to live? 
um, as housing becomes more and more expensive, where are the poor going to live? Um, and, you know, if you were to extrapolate that, you know, we're not really doing a lot for lower income families, are we? Better than expected earnings from a BP, British Petroleum. Um, my favorite company, well, no, let me be, let me fix this. Uh, my favorite PR company has to be BP because when they did their oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, um, the oil well caught on fire. Everyone was like, oh, it's, it's terrible. It's an oil spill. It's an environmental, uh, you know, disaster. Uh, but it killed a lot of dolphins. <laughs> and I'm like, woohoo, I hate dolphins. So, uh, sorry, I think dolphin, you look great ground up and hashed up in my uh, tuna. And uh, I think you look really good with oil all over you and you can't swim. So we got BP having better than expected earnings, Aetna, Kellogg, and Pfizer. Pfizer, interesting, because Merck was weak. And Pfizer uh, fabricates pharmaceuticals, just like Merck does. And um, those four companies have helped shore up you know, buyers uh, because they're very separate and different from each other, right? Aetna, insurance company, healthcare. Uh, BP oil company, Kellogg, uh, cereal company, food company, and then you get Pfizer, a pharmaceutical company. And when you see that left to right broad swath of, hey, corporate America's not dying, um, it is what it is. Oh, there's so much going on here. Um, taking a look at the overall markets, whoa, CNBC reviewed the $1,100 new iPhone 10, and they say it's the best smartphone you can buy. Do 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 do. Apple. I'm, I I kind of wish we were. I kind of wish we were away from Apple at this point in time, but we're not. Under Armour, a company that should be rocking and rolling, is stumbling, tumbling, and bubbling. And uh, it's a shame because at one point in time they were a competitive influence with Nike. Uh, today, they reduced their full year's sales expectations, reflecting lower North American demand and operational challenges. DDoS is doing great. Um, Nike's doing okay, but Under Armour's underperforming. Company slashes its 2017 earnings per share forecast. Shares have fallen 50% in 2017. That's pretty awful. And they're not a bad brand. They're just making bad brand decisions. So it's something worthy of note. So weaker demand for Under Armour products across the U.S. and Canada is hurting the athletic apparel retailer. And again, it's um, you, you misstep, you make a mistake, and Lululemon's there. You misstep, and, and Nike's there. This is not a game for children. So, it's a, I don't know, you're saying game for children. Isn't it the Hunger Games? Yes. Yes. Which, Jennifer Lawrence dies in the last one. I was surprised to see that. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, thank you. Thank you. So Kevin Plank at Under Armour said, although it's too early for us to provide an outlook for 2018, our initial assumptions anticipate continued strength across our international business. Contrast with the difficult environment in our North American wholesale business well into next year. Under Armour is just crazy. Um, they're just, you'd never have to buy anything at full price because it's always on sale somewhere. They don't have their supply chain under control and they should because they make good stuff. It's a good product, and it's a, it, a real good brand. They're just making decisions that are hurting their brand at this point in time. Um, again, you never have to buy anything at full price because it's always on sale somewhere. So their international business continues to deliver against their ambition of building around a global brand. 
Uh, demand in North America resulted in third quarter revenue that was below expectations. You know, teenagers and such can be fickle. We all know that. Um, and one of the things uh, that's hurting them is people are turning to other product. So it's a market share game. Um, Nike is doing some discounting of their own. They're upping the game, so to speak. Adidas is making it tough for Under Armour to succeed. It's it's not worth sticking around until you see a company say, we're upping our, our forecast. Um, Under Armour shares have cratered after the company announced uh, it was cutting about 2% of its global workforce. They need to do a bigger cut. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Um, big seminar coming up. Don't forget about it. It's coming up um, in November in Los Gatos. And it's a Thursday evening, so it's right around the corner. You can sign up for the event at robblackshoe.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Google scrapped a feature in its self-driving cars after people behind the wheel napped and put on makeup. That is a big question, right? How are you, when I say you going to deal with self-driving cars. I think I'm going to drink. Um, okay, maybe I won't drink, but what am I going to do? Alphabet self-driving car Waymo, uh, a unit called Waymo, ended a feature that forced drivers to suddenly take control of vehicles. Uh, people were napping and putting on makeup behind the wheel, so it's now moved to a system that doesn't require human intervention. So they've cut us out of the picture. So when there's an accident about to happen, you have a drink in your hand, you don't have to drop the drink on yourself or the coffee or uh, whatever it is that you're like putting on makeup. You don't have to like smudge it on real fast or you don't have to make that decision. So the autopilot reliance left users prone to distractions and ill-prepared to maneuver. Isn't that kind of interesting? If you want to take over, you can't. What would you be doing in a self-driving vehicle? Let's talk a little real estate with Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. We're going to see a new Fed Reserve chief put in place, and uh, that'll certainly affect real estate prices and mortgages. Let's talk a little bit more with Tony. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. We all have budget issues somewhere. So what's your weakness in your budget, Tony? Probably food. Um, I like to cook steaks. That's something I, I, I eat a steak once a week, something that I didn't think I would uh, ever be able to afford. And um, other than that, you know, I have a kid. I guess that's a <laughs> I don't consider that blowing money, but I got home last night and there was a new tricycle, a new um, what else was new? A couple new things in the house and a couple things left. Uh, so, you, you know, that you spend some money on something that's no longer there and then you have something new that you spent money on. Uh, but it's all worth it. You know, the little boy, he's in, you know, our our. Um, Godsend, so to speak. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I think you're laughing because I have no idea what to expect, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did get a email, by the way, that I think is worth sharing. And this one comes to, and you can email me, rob at com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Um, Robert sent an email. He goes, I hate middle-aged people. Um, and he spelled age wrong. 
Um, they think they know everything, and all of a sudden they're old and find out what they knew. They didn't. Enjoying the show in my old age. Thanks, Robert. So he gets the fact that it's a joke. Um, but, you know, I still hate old people. When they chew, their mouths are all open and food drops out. Their jaws don't work the same. They have that Prop 13. I've got Prop 13. I pay $400 a year in property taxes. I'm 87 years old. I've been around since dirt was born. Anyway, I don't really hate old people. But if there was a super flu that came and (laughs) took away part of the population, whether it be white, black, Asian, whether it be young or old, whether it be the Southerners or the Canadians, if there was one disease that targeted one group of people, what am I? You're having a conversation with yourself and you're trying to outbeat yourself. You you won't be able to stop. Oh, come on. You say the same thing during the commercial breaks. Uh, (laughs) You told me yesterday that your mom's getting cranky and starts yelling for no reason. And guess what she is? Old Old. person. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, back to real estate. Um, High-end homes, they're not seeing any slowdown. Uh, depending on what you ask, uh, I just read an article from the L.A. Times about um, a lot of realtors are fearing the uh, policy changes in China. Uh, a lot of the Chinese investors are starting to pull out and sell. Uh, so they're starting to feel that a little bit. And that's causing a, a high-end homes sitting on the market a little bit longer. And I, I this categorize high-end homes anything over, I, I guess, a million? A million plus? Sure. You know? Um, San Francisco, they saw it about 1.8, 1.9 million. Those slowed down, pretty much stopped sitting on the market for Isn't 60, that 90 days. Tower. Isn't that going to be fascinating to watch, see how that happens? I read a little bit more about that. Um, very interesting. OJ's lawyer. OJ. OJ's OJ lawyer. OJ Simpson? Well, not his lawyer. I think the um, for the civil suit. Okay. Uh, the, the guy who won for the Goldmans. He's now representing a group um, of interest at, at the uh, Millennium Tower. Couple interesting. It will be interesting how that plays out and see how that spreads around the um, the neighborhood. But uh, what I also found interesting is that even after some of these reports came out, the penthouse sold for about six million dollars more than it was purchased for, uh, and the guy who bought it actually knew about you know the you know the defects in the building. I saw that Atherton became the most expensive zip code again after losing it for a couple months. Um, and what's interesting about Atherton is that it's, a lot of people don't have video footage of it. It's tough to, for some reason, it's it's so exclusive that it's gated. Um, but they don't. A lot of people just don't show the properties. Like we don't even know what people are doing there. So it could be Kim Jong Il So we don't know. Could be a bunch of old people. Wouldn't that be fantastic? <laughs> Gate a million. They've got like an eighteen million dollar home and their property prop thirteen. Property tax is like $600. Anyway, um, yeah, Atherton, 5.4. Oh, man, these are expensive homes. Um, Palo Alto, 2.9 million. Los Altos, 2.8 million. It's pretty crazy uh, as far as zip codes go, uh, as far as the homes are. Anyway, 800-516-1220 each calls on the air. What are you seeing these days as far as mortgages? Is it... Is it Two people getting one mortgage, or is it one person? A lot of couples. Okay. Um, dual incomes, we want to call it. Do you ever see couples that aren't married? Like, maybe me and you go get a... a... All the time. Okay. Is that easier, or is that more complicated? Are you kind it of can betting... be. It can be. Um, most, you know, if you're, it's a married couple, usually their credit's very similar. Uh-huh. Um, there's not a lot of 
you know random stuff coming in but when you have two people who aren't married you you have different characteristics of the and in, in the credit that can affect it um you, 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 but we are seeing more and more of that it's not any harder okay. so yeah i always like buying property kind of solo i don't like partners because then you get into their wives and their spouses. And well, you know what they say. If you ever want to lose a friend, buy real estate with them. Did they say that? That's one of the sayings. The dumbest thing I've ever heard. So if I wanted to lose a friend, I'd just take three rights. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter robblackshow. You can find Tony at bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com. The Verge is saying the iPhone 10 is polished, tight, and clean. TechCrunch spent a week week with iPhone and took it to Disneyland. It highlights how easy Face ID is to set up and how well it works at identifying the face. Wired Magazine reviewed the first uh, iPhone 10. They shared the impressions this week. They said, yes, this is the one, the iPhone, that will hasten millions of upgrades. Forbes described the iPhone 10 as having an opulent, high-end feel to it. So those are out there. Reviews are not going to hurt it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. On the telephone, Patrick O'Hare. Briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to be back with you. It's always good to have you. Um, we're in earnings season, and earnings season seems to be supporting Wall Street's recent highs. That's kind of a lot of extrapolation going on, but is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, it certainly isn't isn't hurting. Um, you know, the rate of growth this uh, third quarter uh, is, isn't as robust as we've seen in recent quarters, but, you know, we're pushing 5% now on the S&P 500 in terms of operating earnings growth, uh, thanks in large part to those uh, stellar reports we got out of Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft last week. Uh, but, you know, as we've discussed before, as, it, as the market considers the third quarter reporting period, I, th- I think that a lot of the good earnings news had already been factored into the market, therefore, you're not seeing uh, outside of a you know some isolated uh, reports. You're not seeing a, a, an, an aggressive response to better than expected earnings news. But at the same time, you're not seeing any inclination to to sell things off uh, on good earnings news either, because market participants, for the most part, continue to look ahead to what should be a very good fourth quarter reporting period uh, early next year, uh, and which should be accented by double digit earnings growth. That's pretty exciting. Some of the big technologies and uh, transformative issues that we got great health care in the United States, always breaking through uh, new ideas and issues. We have Google coming out with self-driving cars sooner rather than later. Uh, what are some of the positives out there that you see that continue to support your thesis or maybe not your thesis, but the thesis of a higher market in, in good times, so to speak? Well, uh, what we're seeing certainly is the continuance of improving economic data. Uh, you got a slate of it this morning, um, uh, in particular the consumer confidence number, which hit its highest level in nearly 17 years. Uh, you have a Chicago manufacturing report that uh, is, you know, at its highest level in over three years. And, and so from, from a confidence standpoint, from a consumer and business confidence standpoint, you are seeing clear signs of, of, of a better 
better vision, if you will. Uh, and, uh, and that kind of fits into the fabric of a lot of economic data of late that has continued to surprise on the upside, which is supporting this notion of, of a nice pickup in economic growth before you even get any fiscal stimulus, and which is also coinciding with the pickup in growth that we're seeing elsewhere. So that's certainly a factor. And even though interest rates have picked up here in recent weeks, the fact of the matter is that interest rates are still low, and that remains a supportive factor for this bull market as well, which is feasted on the persistence of low interest rates. So you have low interest rates, uh, inflation that remains you know, relatively modest, pickup in economic growth, and a sight line to even stronger earnings growth in the fourth quarter and first quarter of next year that has nothing to do with any type of cut in the tax rate. So those are things that remain supportive here for the bull market and why we continue to see this uh, this willingness to buy on dips uh, and, and basically this um, uh, willingness to overlook bad news in the present day. Okay, now moving into the Trump agenda and what's not getting done. Um, we know healthcare reform kind of got stalled, and uh, that's a big issue, dramatic on politics, not so much on Wall Street because we kind of powered through it. Uh, how about tax reform? It seems to be getting a little bit dramatic at this point in time with you know just a lot of split ideas amongst the Republicans and Democrats saying dead on arrival. Um, how do you see this tax reform playing out of the U.S. economy and stock market? Well, man, that that is a sixty-four billion yeah. dollar question. I guess uh, you know um, it, it's difficult to get a, a, a you know put a finger on things because you know you are in this uh, tax writing period here uh, in both the House and the Senate, and the GOP in those respective chambers is you know trying to find a way to come up with a plan that's going to be agreeable to to their own members because they're uh, going to be able to attempt to push this through, you know, with the reconciliation process, which requires only a simple majority versus the 60-vote threshold in, in the Senate. So I think that the, the GOP is, uh, you know, in a mode right now of knowing that it's got to hit on something here. Uh, because it's been, you know, coming up empty throughout this year. And, uh, and so the, the ability to find this common ground, though, remains very much in question based in large part on what you alluded to as well, is that they weren't able to reach a compromise on the health care, the repeal and the replace of Obamacare that they had long campaigned on. So it does create some misgivings about their ability to reach a, a, a compromise on what will be regarded by the market as, as a a you know, quote, great tax reform plan. But I suppose that the market would be tolerant of any type of tax reform at this juncture uh, that includes some type of lower tax rate for both individuals and businesses. And if you are to get that before the end of the year, um, would go over well. Uh, but I think that the market also has a little tolerance, as we've also discussed before, for seeing that extended into the new year as well. So long as the narrative around that tax reform plan continues to suggest that there's momentum behind it and that there seems to be a good possibility of it actually uh, you know, reaching an agreeable uh, terms between both the House and the Senate GOP. Taking a look at something you brought up this morning, the employment cost index, and let's talk about employment in the United States. Uh, if you were to tap the pulse, what can you tell me about how our economy is doing tied towards employment and jobs? Well, certainly, you know, the, the labor market is is 
you know, uh, doing quite well. Um, you're, you're seeing some tightening there. You see it in, in the low unemployment rate. Uh, we saw it even in the Chicago PMI report this morning where uh, manufacturers in the Chicago Fed region anyway are dis- are. are are pointing to this notion, or that they're having you know difficulty finding skilled and trained labor, and are even starting to lose some of their skilled labor to uh, other companies willing to pay higher wages. And so that's something you know that is going to resonate, I think, for the Federal Reserve as it contemplates what it's going to do at its not at this week's meeting, but you know at the December meeting where it seems to be on a line toward raising the Fed funds rate again. But you know the labor market, though, even though you, you can make a good case that it's it's very tight when you look simply at the unemployment rate. I mean, you still have a relatively high long-term unemployment rate, so it's not a perfect situation right now, and you can tell, given the you know, wage growth has has been modest to this point, uh, that there remains some slack in the labor force. And so uh, the, the missing variable to make a uh, uh, an unassailable argument that the labor market is extremely tight and is and is getting overheated would be in you know faster wage growth. We're still not seeing that yet, but things are picking up a little bit better, so there's signs of encouragement there. Anything that you're working on, Mr. O'Hare, that you want to add a little color to? I've been dominating this conversation, pulling us from politics to taxes and uh, employment, and you're hitting everything out of the ballpark. Anything that can give us some insight into what you're working on now? Well, you're making all the right pitches, Rob. Um, you know they're they're coming across the middle of the plate, but but you're 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 in this ballpark here because uh, there is a lot going on this week uh, between the earnings uh, news, between uh, the House GOP potentially uh, unveiling its its tax plan this week. Uh, you've had a Bank of Japan meeting. You're going to have the Fed meeting on Wednesday. You've got the Bank of England meeting on Thursday, uh, and then you've got the employment report at the end of the week on Friday. So. The Quite honestly, I'm kind of uh, not a deer in headlights here, <laughs> but I'm taking it all in right now and trying to sit back and assess it. And uh, and ultimately, I believe you know an idea for this week's big picture column, which I post on Friday, will come out of out of that fabric somehow. <laughs> so I'm seeing that um, Selena Gomez was named Billboard's 2017 Woman of the Year, and you're saying, where is this going? It's just end of the year. Um, any final thoughts as we approach October, November, December, um, as it starts to wrap up and move into 2018? Well, I think the, the, the thought that fits into the narrative today is we talk about a, a bull market that just seems to hang in there no matter what the news is, is that, is that the odds are stacked in its favor that that will remain the case into year-end, barring some really nasty, exogenous event um, that would catch everyone by surprise. But uh, the point was made several weeks ago by none other than Warren Buffett, you know, where he's indicated that he's not selling anything in the year end because he's he's uh, sitting there waiting to see what type of tax reform plan we get and if and he'd feel foolish for having sold now if he is going to look back six months from now and realizes he could have sold it at a lower tax rate so and I think that that mentality is going to continue to prop up the market here or certainly limit the pullbacks uh, the extent of the pullbacks because there's a reluctance on the part of institutional accounts here to sell into year end until they see what takes shape on the on the tax reform side Anything else uh, that you want to add in? Because uh, we're just burning through content, and we still have about 45 seconds. 
Well, you know, the what's been very interesting to me is to see what's going on with the yield curve right now. Um, notwithstanding all of this talk about a synchronized pickup in global growth, uh, what the yield curve is pointing to right now is that it's buying into this notion that you're going to get reflation without the inflation. And it's been a really peculiar uh, circumstance to see the narrowing spread between the two-year and the 10-year note uh, that typically points or suggests that you might see softer economic activity or at the least that you're not going to see a pickup in inflation. So what that suggests to me is that uh, there could be quite a pain trade there at the long end of the curve if you see an inflation scare here over the next few months, and that could lead to quickly rising interest rates uh, that re, you know have a large uh, have have a lot to do with what mortgage rates do and the like. So we're keeping a close eye on that, but it's a very peculiar situation right now. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com. I start my day every day reading his page one. There's so much content on the site that it'll keep you entertained all day if you're thinking business, finance, and investing. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Under Armour CEO says, we are disappointed. Under Armour's earnings report was ugly. The company lowered its guidance. They've got some of the best athletes that you can get in Jordan Spieth and Steph Curry. And they just, they're not putting the pieces of the puzzle together. It's like the Rubik's Cube isn't coming together. They moved it two or three times from the original position and it just doesn't feel right. Um, they continue to show a decline in revenue. Uh, Pretty importantly, they slashed their full-year outlook for 2017. They predicted full-year operating income to come in basically pretty weak. Um, so a big problem for it is North America, and that shouldn't be the big problem, so to speak. Um, do we have a call, or do we have Chad? What do we have coming up here? I forgot to check in with my producer during the break. Mr. Producer? It's, um, Chad Burton does a morning show here on KDOW, uh, AM 1220, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. It's New Focus on Wealth with CFP, Chad Burton. Let's get a little sample of that right here, right now. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton, talking major decisions that can affect your retirement. Um, this seems pretty obvious, like not saving enough money, so you're living off Social Security. Are we talking that kind of major decision? Yeah, I mean, there's a good article at USA News Money site. And um, one of the biggest ones, you and I talk about it all the time, is is when you start saving. And an example that it, when you run the numbers, what I typically see is if a person gets out of college or starting a job at 22 to 25, they can save 10% of pay typically if they have a bit of a retirement match on their 401k, like 4%, and they'll be able to retire at 65 with the same type of a lifestyle in most cases. If you start saving when you're 45 in other words, you've enjoyed your lifestyle, you're buying all these depreciating assets, your favorite cars, your boats, you're swapping houses and spouses and things like that, and you don't start until you're 45 years old, you have nothing saved up, yep. you're going to have to save 25% of pay in order to get to that same point that only 10% if you would have started a couple of decades earlier. So compound and time is on your side. I mean, that means you're, you're actually decreasing your lifestyle at the age of 45 to have a decreased lifestyle at the age of 65. So you have to get on board with the idea you got to pay yourself first at an early age. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more on some of these decisions. And I, I think one of the toughest things that people have is taking a decision. Like we all come up with these great ideas. Like I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to save X amount of money. I'm going to 
budget X amount of ways. But then taking action is actually probably the toughest part of financial planning. Yeah, it is. I mean, you kind of have to have one you know, week and day a month to concentrate on your financial plan, whether that's tracking your, your budget through a mint.com or some of the other sites that do that. I think you mentioned one recently that you've, you've found similar to mint. Yeah. It's called uh, level level. Um, and that, you know, you've got to go in, you've got to itemize your expenses so you can track your expenses, see where you're spent spending too much, see where you can cut and be able to save because so many people, these, you know, 20 and 30 somethings, are still giving up their 401k match. They think that the system is broken because of the bubbles that we've gone through. Yeah. They are scared to save because they fear about things like high frequency trading that they think makes a difference in the long run, and it doesn't. I mean, not taking advantage of the 401k match is death to your retirement. I understand that. And, you know, I can give you a perfect example where my brother Michael, who's 18 months older than me, he made a decision in the early 90s when there was a thrift and saving loans crisis. Um, that the banks were failing, that he wanted out of the stock market. So he cashed out, cashed out his 401k, and he missed the... The 20-year bull run. Yeah, the eight-year run that was unbelievable to in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, we had another dip in 2000, and he probably was feeling pretty smart, like, ha-ha, I got out 10 years ago. And only to be, at this point in time, he's going to work till the day he dies because of that decision. Yeah, it is. And then the same people that cash out their 401k Here, here's what's been typical lately people cash out their 401k down to get it take advantage of the low rates on their loans so they can get into a house that they can barely afford so they cash out their 401k and they get 20 percent tax withholding and they think that's it then they go buy the house and then april 15th comes around and they've got another huge you know double digit number thousands of dollars that they have to come up with to pay uncle sam and you can't go bunk- bankrupt with uncle sam yeah, and what you mean by that is when you owe them X amount of dollars, you will eventually pay them X amount of dollars. They will put liens on your house. They will put liens on your paycheck. They will get that money. Re- liens on your IRA. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, because they, they can lean put a lien on your IRA, and they can force you to pull the money out of it to pay the taxes, and you'll avoid the 10% penalty, but you still have to pay the taxes on the money that they lien. So it's like this ongoing ballooning problem. Does that lien get a uh, grade of A? <laughs> Would you invest in liens? Oh, there's a lot of people that invest in the tax lien situation. And the thing Shady. Is, I will never invest in anything where who I'm investing with prints their own statement. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I totally know what you mean, but most of our listeners, not most of our listeners, but there's a large ignorant swath of people out there. It's like uh, uh, private REITs, too. Here, our, sh- our share price is $10 a share. We don't know how we came up with that, but here you go. It's $10 a share. And now you're seeing the Wells REIT 1, Wells REIT 2, and they've, they've gone public, and you can see where people are disappointed with their returns and private REITs. I wouldn't touch private REITs at all. With that said, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Uh, Some big stories out there today. Sony had a great quarter tied towards the Sony PlayStation. Um, That's kind of nice, right? It's uh, not super excitable, but kind of nice all the same. Uh, So Wall Street's paying attention to earnings season, and something silly like a PlayStation can be your big seller. Uh, You go for it, because that's a company. Sony, a big media company, has struggled to find something uh, with gription or traction, so to speak.